0: I don't know the last time you just stopped and contemplated the cross of Jesus Christ. As we were singing that song, I was looking up at this cross here, and I was just reminding myself of exactly what Jesus Christ did for us at the cross. How he willingly went there, he hung, he died to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. He took our punishment upon himself so you and I would not have to live under the wrath of God. I don't know about you, but sometimes to me that's just so overwhelming when I contemplate the cross of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ did there for us. But you know there's good news this morning, and this is the good news. He is not dead. He is alive. He has risen from the grave. The tomb is empty today. If you look at all of the major religions in the world and you look at their founders and their leaders, you can go to every one of their graves and you can dig up their bones and see them. But if you were to go to the tomb of Jesus Christ this morning, you would find nothing laying there because He is alive he has risen from the grave and because he rose from the grave he is the first fruits of all of those who would rise from the grave those who have trusted in him We have a great hope. Now, there's not many people that are more patriotic than I am. I served in the military, I love the military, I love America, and I'm grateful that our country was founded upon the biblical, I mean, biblical truths and principles. I realize we've gotten off center in many ways, but I want you to know something, America is still by far, in my opinion, the greatest nation in the world. We have untold freedoms that most nations never experience. And I've been in some of those nations. I've experienced that firsthand in my life. I've seen the people who live under that oppression. And so we must never ever forget what it is that our forefathers have done before us and the opportunities that we experience today. But as one man shared with me, with freedom comes great responsibility. Freedom doesn't give us the ability to do what we want to do. Freedom gives us the ability to do what we ought to do. We must always remind ourselves of that. And when we come together on July the 4th, we have the opportunity to celebrate this great nation. But in the back of our mind, we must always remember that our first allegiance does not lie with America. Our first allegiance lies with, with God we are a part of his spiritual family we have been born into his family and great of all is the statue of the cross Jesus Christ when we think about what it is that he has done for us so we should celebrate the freedom that we have in America, but I will tell you, there is a greater freedom than the freedom that we experience today, and that is freedom from the power and the penalty of sin that those who have experienced in their life who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I hope that you know what it is to know Him as your personal Lord and Savior today, because there's no greater friend than jesus christ but he's a he's even more than a friend he is our lord and our savior and we have the opportunity to worship him today if you have your bibles this morning open them to first john the fifth chapter first john the fifth chapter i don't know if you saw that i put my hand on my bible it almost slid off that would have been sad this morning first john the fifth chapter We're going to be looking at two different passages of scripture, or two different verses of scripture, this morning in our message. We're going to be looking at a verse of Scripture in 1 John, the 5th chapter, and then we're going to jump over and we're going to look at a verse of Scripture in 1 John, the 3rd chapter. So if you find your place there in 1 John, the 5th chapter, just put your hand there. Now, if your Bible's like me, it may just be across the page. If not, you may have to turn one page over. But find both of those passages of Scripture, and in a moment we're going to turn our attention to what it is that John is going to say to us, in this text or these two different verses of scripture because I believe that he has a great message for us today he wants to challenge us through the word of God you know as I think about the word of God one of the deep convictions I have about God's word is this all God's word is inspired of the Lord It is God breathed out. When we hold the Word of God in our hands, we have the very breathed out Word of God. It is alive, it is living, it is powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. If you want to hear from God this morning, just open up His Word. I don't know if you realize this, but living on this side of the cross, we have a great privilege that many of the earlier followers of the Lord God didn't have. If you go back to the Old Testament, they didn't have the written word of God, did they? What they had was God revealing revealing himself to them through the prophets and through other people. But now that we live on this side of the cross, we have the canonized word of God that we can go to. What a privilege and an honor. There have been men and women who have given up their lives throughout the history of mankind so that we can hold this word in our hands this morning. Isn't that amazing? We should never ever diminish God's Word. It is powerful and it is living. I would ask that you pray for me this morning as we approach this text or these two different verses of Scripture. This has been one of the challenging weeks I was sharing earlier. I didn't get back until Wednesday and then a number of different things have happened. and It's just been one of those challenging weeks where I feel as though I didn't really have the opportunity to spend as much time as I would have liked in God's Word. I really enjoy just getting into God's Word. And then something else has happened this morning. We started a new Sunday school class that I'm teaching on Sunday morning. So now I'm trying to figure out how do I balance that between two services. So I encourage y'all to pray for me each week. I love to teach God's Word, but I want to do it in a way that is honoring, honoring and glorifying to Him. And so, y'all, please pray for me. But we want to approach God's Word this morning looking at 1 John, the fifth chapter and First John, the third chapter. If you remember, last week we started a new series of sermons. I entitled that series of sermons, The Birthmark of a Believer. I shared with you that 80% of babies are born with a birthmark. If you were here last Sunday morning, I shared with you that birthmark that my daughter has right here between her eyes, or it used to be there. I remember when she was born and she would get upset and angry. That thing would light up. It would get real red. It was kind of an eerie feeling. Now, she still gets upset at times, but it's no longer there, so you don't see the birthmark now. But I can remember looking at that and thinking, man, that birthmark marks her. It is there. You cannot miss it. And I remember thinking of that. In a spiritual sense, the same is true in the life of the believer. For those of us who have trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there are certain birthmarks that identify us as belonging to Jesus Christ. We refer to them as spiritual birthmarks. If a person genuinely wants to know if they are a child of the living God, the only thing they have to do is look at the birthmarks. If the birthmarks are present, is an indicator that I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If there are no birthmarks there, then we must take a step back and we must challenge ourselves with the difficult question: Am I genuinely a believer of Jesus Christ? Now that first sermon that we looked at, I entitled A No-So Salvation. That word no appears 40 times in the book of 1 John. I want you to think about that. The entire book of 1 John is only five chapters long, but in five chapters, that word no appears 40 times. I think you would have to agree with me this morning when I make the statement that word must be significant. Why else would it appear there 40 times? In one small book, John said in 1 John the the 5th chapter in the 13th verse, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you are a child of the living God. You see right there that word know. John wanted his readers to have a confidence, a certainty in their salvation. So he offers them two different testimonies that witness to the fact that we are truly sons of the living God. First, the testimony of the Holy Spirit. The testimony of the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts and in our lives if we truly know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It is the spirit of the living God that testifies to my spirit that gives me confidence that I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That all is well no matter what is going on in my life. The second testimony we have is the testimony of God's word. Did you hear what John said in this verse of scripture? He said, I have written these things. Now we believe that all of Scripture is God-breathed, that John is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And if he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what we hold before us this morning is the very words of the living God. And John says, I have written these things that you may know, that you may have a confidence, that you may have a certainty, that you may have an assurance that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. I would tell you this morning, it is possible to know with 100% assurance that you are a child of the living God. You can know. How many of you remember that great hymn we sing, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. My assurance is not based on my feelings, though. Our feelings are emotions, and emotions run hot and cold. My assurance is based on the Holy Spirit and the Word of God is where my assurance lies. That what God has said is true in His Word, and that the Holy Spirit is there giving me confidence in my spirit that I truly know Jesus Christ. And my prayer is today is that you would know that in your life as well. If you're here this morning and you don't have that assurance in your life, I would encourage you, I would challenge you to ask yourself the difficult question this morning, Am I truly a part of the faith? That is the most important question we will ever ask ourselves today. Do I really know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? So, the first spiritual birthmark of a believer is this they have a no so salvation. They know that they know that they know that they belong to Jesus Christ. And there's nothing that will ever convince them otherwise. Well, this morning I want us to look at a second spiritual birthmark, one that we see repeated over and over again throughout the book of 1 John. Actually, it is a word that appears more in the book of John than even the word no. It is the word love. The word love appears over 50 times in this book. You know, oftentimes we look and we say that First Corinthians, the 13th chapter is the love chapter. You know, it speaks about what is agape love. And you know, love is patient, love is kind, and it goes through this list. Well, I would say if that is true, then the book of 1 John has to be the love book, the love letter of the Word of God, the Bible. Because over and over again, John returns to this theme one time after another. He's going to continue to remind us of our love for God and our love for one another. I think you would agree with me this morning when I make this statement that a believer is someone who has a deep love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you agree with me on that? We would all agree with that. Isn't that what Jesus Christ said? When the lawyer asked him the question, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus Christ said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your mind, your soul, and body. With everything you have, you are to love the Lord God, is what Jesus Christ said. We would all agree this morning that loving God deeply is an indicator that we truly know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But Let me ask you a question what about our love for the family of God what about our love for one another is our love for God's people an indicator that we truly belong to Jesus Christ Well, I want you to hear what John says in these two verses of of Scripture, and then I will let you draw the conclusion. Listen to what John says here in 1 John, the fifth chapter. Everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God. Did you hear what it was that John said in this verse of Scripture? Listen to it again. He says, "Everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever love. I mean, who loves whoever has been born of him. Now listen to what John says in 1 John the 3rd chapter in the 14th verse. Listen to what he writes here. "We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death did you hear what John said in that passage of scripture I don't know about you but when I read this passage of scripture this is one of the most convicting verses in all of God's word John is as though John is saying our love for God is inseparable from our love for the church the people of God isn't that what John is saying in this passage of scripture listen to what he says one more time he says in verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. John says it is utterly impossible for a person to say that they have a deep love for God and not love the people of God's church. I think about that for a moment. Isn't that exactly what John indicated in this passage of Scripture? Didn't he say, if we truly love God, we will love our brothers as well? Now, you know what he's referring to here when he uses this word brothers, right? He's referring to God's church. He's not referring to walls and a roof on a building. He's referring to those people who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Those people who make up the body of believers. And John says it is impossible for a person to say, I have a great love for God, but I don't love the brothers and sisters in Christ. That is utterly impossible. This morning I want us to look at this text verses 10 through verse 18 and I want to share with you three statements that I believe that John makes about true love in this passage of scripture the kind of love that we should have for God and his people now listen with me as we begin reading in verse 10 look in chapter 3 verse 10 by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now, did you hear what John said in that very first uh, verse of Scripture here in this passage, in this text? To me, it is an amazing passage of Scripture, an amazing verse of Scripture when John speaks about this. For John, there is no ambiguity between those who are within God's family and those who are not in God's family. John makes it very clear in this passage of Scripture that if you're not in God's family, you're a part of the enemy's family. And if you're in the enemy's family, you're not a part of God's family. He's going to go on and he's going to use an illustration in this passage of Scripture in verse 11 that's going to speak directly to this. Listen to what he says. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the devil, I mean, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that you have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. That's challenging, isn't it? I mean, let's be real honest. Isn't it challenging to love every single person in God's church? You know the ones I'm talking about. Those special people that enter every one of our lives. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm speaking about this morning. You know those one that grate on your nerves? those one that know how to push all of the right buttons isn't it challenging to love every single person in God's church but at the same time what does John challenge us to do in this passage of scripture? As a matter of fact, he goes beyond just a challenge and he says that a love for the brothers of Christ and sisters of Christ is an indicator that you truly love Jesus Christ with all of your heart. So what is the opposite of that? The opposite of that is the person who doesn't love brothers and sisters in Christ. John said... The spiritual birthmark of a person who knows Jesus Christ is they will have a deep love for God and they will have a deep love for the brothers and the sisters of Christ. This morning, I want to make just three simple statements about this passage of Scripture. Three statements about what is true love, the kind of love that we should have for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Number one, this is the first statement that I would want to make. First, true love originates with God true love originates with God that's what John said in verse 10 let's look at that verse of scripture again John says by this it is evident it is clear in other words we don't have to guess about it who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother Have you ever noticed under normal circumstances, you don't have to force a parent to love their children? I remember when Robin and I learned that we were going to be blessed with our first child. I was thinking in my mind, I wonder if I will love that child. Any of you men ever thought that before your children was born? I did. I thought, oh my goodness, what happens if I don't love her? And then on the day that she was born and the doctor placed her into my hands, I knew that very day that I would love that child for the rest of my life. No one had to try to convince me, Hey, Jeff, you need to love that child. Hey, Jeff, you've got to nourish her. You've got to help her. You've got to encourage her. You need to love her as a father would love a child. Parental love of a child is natural. It's not something that you have to work up. It's naturally in the heart of the parent. Isn't that true? Well, I would say the same is true in a spiritual sense. When we trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit took up residence in our life, the nature of God now lives in us. And God's nature is a nature of love, is it not? Yes, we very clearly read that in Scripture. In the same way that it is natural for a parent to love a child, it is natural for God to love us and for us to love Him, and it is also natural for us to love our spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ. Isn't that true? That's what John says in this passage of Scripture. If the nature of God lives in us, then the result of that should be that we would love our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what John said in this verse. Now, don't misunderstand me. John doesn't say it directly, but surely he implies it in this passage of Scripture. That love in the believer comes from God. In the last part of verse 10, John said that the one who does not love is not of God, implying that the one who does love is of God. True love originates with God. Now you listen to me this morning. If you look in your heart and your life today and there is no love in your heart, For your brothers and sisters in Christ, you need to ask yourself the challenging question today. Does Jesus Christ really live in my heart and in my life? Because when Jesus Christ lives in my heart and in my life, the nature of God will be in me, and the natural result of that nature is I will love my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the truth of God's Word. Number two. Second, true love for God's church identifies those who genuinely belong to Christ. One more time, true love for God's church genuinely identifies those who belong to Christ. Let's go back and let's look at verse 14 again of this passage of Scripture. Listen to what John says. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in Now let me see if I can boil it down for you this morning so we can understand what it is that John is saying in this verse of Scripture. John is saying true love for other believers is the evidence of spiritual life. Did you hear what John said here in this verse of Scripture? Look again at what he says. We know that we have passed out of death into life. When John uses the word death and life, he's not referring to, to physical life. He's referring to spiritual life, isn't he? What did Paul write in Ephesians, the second chapter? He said, at one time we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but when we trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we were made alive. We didn't become physically alive, we became spiritually alive. And what Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture is those people who have trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior have passed from spiritual death into spiritual life. And the way that we know that we have passed from spiritual death into spiritual life is this. We have a genuine love in our hearts for God's people. As I stated earlier, when John uses this term brother here in this passage of Scripture, he's referring to God's church. The church is not walls and a roof. The church is not building materials. The church is made up of God's people. And when we genuinely love Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when Jesus lives in our heart, there will be a genuine love in our heart for our brothers and sisters in life. Do you want to know if you have passed from spiritual death to spiritual life? The only thing you need to do is ask yourself the question, do I genuinely love God's people? is loving God's people a practiced habit of mine now let's be honest I want to see a show of hands of how many of you honestly love all the people of God's church all the time all right Well, I wanted to make sure I wasn't the only one I was a little scared to raise my hand you know what I'm saying but let's just real be honest It's challenging to love everyone all the time, isn't it? As I stated earlier, there are those special people in God's church that God has placed in our lives to help us grow in our relationship with him. You know those special people? Those that grate on our nerves, those that push all of the right buttons, those that are challenging, those that we have to whisper that prayer in our heart. Oh God, please help me to love this person. Please help me to see them as you see them. Help me to love them as you love them. We can't do that in our own strength, in our own power. But the question we must ask ourselves is not is there times in our life where we are at odds with other believers, but what is the practiced habit of my life? What characterizes my life? Is there a genuine love in my heart for those that I associate with, those that I worship with, those that I fellowship with in God's church? I can't answer that question for you this morning. Only God can guide you to understand as to whether or not you have a genuine love in your heart for the body of believers. Now, you listen to me carefully this morning. This is very important. If you're here this morning and there is no genuine love in your heart, for the believers of God's church, I'm going to tell you, you need to take a step back and you need to ask yourself the difficult question. Am I truly born again? The Bible says when we are born from above, we have been given a new nature. The Spirit of God has taken up residence in our life. There is fruit that is born in our life. You know what that fruit is? Love, joy, peace, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self control, and perseverance. The very first one on the list is love because the very nature of God is love. And it's impossible to say we have a deep love for God, but I do not love my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's impossible. it's impossible and that's what John says in this passage of scripture number three the third statement John makes in this passage of scripture about true love is this true love is self-sacrificing true love is shown by its actions not just its words Listen to what John says here in verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Paul said it this way in Romans, the fifth chapter, and the eighth verse. But God demonstrated his love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love in action. Jesus didn't just say how much He loved us. He showed us how much He loved us by willingly going to a cruel cross, hanging there and dying to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. Now, let's be real honest. Isn't this one of the most challenging verses in all of Scripture? Listen to it again. Verse 16. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. But don't stop there. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. All right. I want you to look around the room. Just look around the room. How many of you here this morning are willing to say, I'm willing to lay down my life for every single person? in this building isn't that what the text says Jesus laid down his life for us so we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers is that what the text says I will tell you this is one of the most challenging verses that I find in all of Scripture, and it would be very easy for us to answer that this morning with a resounding, yes, that is what I would do, but I would tell you our urge to save self is pretty strong if we are honest. Isn't that true? Yes, it is. This is the great thing. John doesn't leave us to speculate about how we would respond if we found ourselves in this situation. He's going to make it real practical for us. He brings it down to practical everyday living. He goes on to say in verse 17, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet he closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Wow. John doesn't pull any punches here. It's easy to say that we would lay down our life for our brother, but I would tell you if we are not doing this inch by inch in the daily life, setting aside our own selfishness to serve others, it is empty talk is what it is. It is empty. Isn't that true? Listen, folks. Self-sacrificing love is never, ever convenient. It will always call for a sacrifice of our time, energy, money, and resources. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we should be irresponsible with the finances that God has given us and we ought to just dole it out to anybody who comes along. But I want you to hear me say this this morning. Love unites people through practical deeds of self, I mean of, of self-sacrifice. Now listen to me. Selfishness always divides. Love always divides unifies let me say that one more time selfishness always divides separates love always unifies you want to know if God's church is truly unified or not look and see if God's people are truly loving one another there is no other way to say it True love results in laying down our lives for others. John said the birthmark of a genuine believer is a love for God and His people. This morning as I close, I would like to read a story to you. I believe it's a story that best sums up what it is that John is talking about in this passage of Scripture. I want you to listen to it carefully. It's a story about a Jewish man who was named Art, who was raised as an atheist. At the close of World War II, he was in Germany with the American army, and he saw all the horrors of the concentration camp. It filled him with hatred, first toward Germans, but then he realized as he lived longer, it was toward the whole human race. He came back to Berkeley, and he gave himself to education, but he came to see that it was not the answer. Education could not change a person's heart. Finally, he resigned his position. His wife lost her mind and was put in a mental institution. He divorced, divorced her, and without any ties, he began to wander the world from country to country. One rainy day in Greece, grubby and dirty, he was hitchhiking. But no one would stop and give him a ride because who in the world would pick up a seedy-looking character like him who was grubby and filthy? And then, out of nowhere, after standing in the rain for hours, a Cadillac pulled up alongside him and stopped the man in the Cadillac jumped out of the driver's side, went around to the back of the vehicle and began to shake his hand. He took his dirty napstack, he threw it into the back of the vehicle on the nice leather, upholstered, upholstered, the nice leather seats, we'll just say that. <laughs> the word didn't want to come. The nice leather seats. He opened the door and he put art in. In the passenger side, and then he got behind the wheel. He drove him to the nearest hotel and he paid for a room for him and he bought him a meal that night. Finally, he asked Art what he was doing and where he was going. At that moment, all of the pent up heartache, misery, and resentment that had come or had been built up in his life, came pouring out. When Art was through, the man said, You know what this world needs is people who are willing to love one another sacrificially. Those who are willing to love in deed and in truth. Art said, I've never heard anything like that before in my life. Why would you say something like that? And the man said, because that's what my Lord did. From the first time, for the first time in his life, this young man heard the gospel message. He became a Christian and went on to devote his life to serving the Lord. Now I want you to think about that story for a moment. Because you see, that story is a picture of every single one of our lives. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. We were grubby, we were dirty, we were seedy individuals. Our hearts were filled with utter evilness but because of God's great love, grace, and mercy for us. Jesus Christ willingly went to a cruel cross. He hung there and He died to pay the penalty for our sin. He took upon Himself our punishment so that we, like art, could be made clean. You see, when we look at the life of Jesus Christ, Jesus had a deep love for the Father. And Jesus Christ had a deep love for others. What about you this morning? If you want to know how much you truly love God, ask yourself this question. How much do I truly love God's people? That's the true indicator of how much we truly love God's church and how much we truly love God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love and the way you've spoken to our hearts today. Father, as we enter into this time of invitation, I pray that you would work in our hearts and our lives in your perfect way. Lord, we just ask that you would have your way in our lives. We pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.